Good morning, everyone. Before I get into this message, I want to say a couple of things. <clears throat> One is a bit of a confession. I'm not much of a movie buff. Um, because I kind of have problems following twists in the plots and knowing who's who and who's the good guy and bad guy. And I remember Jim used to get rather flustered with me because I was constantly saying, now who's that? Is he good? Is he bad? And he's like, aren't you watching? But things don't always uh, click that way. Well, in this message today, I'll give you a heads up. You can consider everybody a bad guy unless otherwise noted. So you don't have to worry or take as long as I did to have to research this and figure out who the players really were. And if I get something mixed up or crossed up in this message today, I hope you'll find the grace to uh, forgive me and uh, you can correct me next week if you will. All the social media platforms today have what they call fact checkers, right? You've all heard that. Well, if you read the book of 2 Samuel yourself this week, then you'll have the right to fact check me next week and you can let me know where I messed up. This story weaves itself through seven or eight chapters in 2 Samuel, and that's where we're going to be. And that's just before the book of 1 Kings. And there are so many twists and turns in this story that it's hard to uh, cover it all. And I have not covered it all. I've left out a lot. So that's why I'm encouraging you to read this whole book of 2 Samuel this week and get to know it. And I'm going to let you know frequently where we are, and we're going to start kind of at the back of the book and then go back into the middle portion. We're going to start in chapter 23. So if you want to get there, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And Father, I ask you today to let this word penetrate our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you would quicken my mind, O oh God, for the delivery of this message, and that you would help us to understand the most important thing is that we go to the rock in Jesus' name. This is an account of a portion of King David's life that brought him near ruin, multiple times near ruin, and a time in his life that he experienced such deep devastation and deep depression and overwhelming pain. And I'm calling this message, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive, or when, we, when first we practice to deceive. And as I said, our first stop is 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 34, and we're going to read two verses and then we're going back. These are important verses because it sets the stage so we'll know who is who and who the players are. In the 23rd chapter, it names David's mighty band, mighty men, his mighty warriors of 30. 
Although, as one of the scriptures we're going to read says, 37 in all. But when it starts out, there's 30. So you'll, you'll figure that out as we go. So also a disclaimer. <laughs> I know I'm going to butcher these names. So if you have a better pronunciation, let me know. Because I even tried looking them up and listening to them phonetically. So here we go. Again, 2 Samuel 2334. Eliphalet, the son of Ahazbi, the son of Machathite, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. Those are the two names there we need to remember, Eliam and Ahithophel. And verse 39, and Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. As I said, there was 30 when it started, but here we're at 37. And now turn backwards to chapter 11. Here David is on the rooftop of the palace, spying on Bathsheba, taking a bath on her rooftop across from the palace. And we're in chapter 11, verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So now we have Eliam, who is one of David's mighty men. We just read that in uh, chapter 23. And he's also Bathsheba's father. And we have Uriah, also one of David's mighty men, who is Bathsheba's husband. And we have another name, Ahithophel. We heard that in chapter 23, and he is a lion's father, and therefore Bathsheba's grandfather. Moving to chapter 16, I'm only going to read a scripture here and there, but I'll let you know where we're going. Chapter 16, verse 23, we're going to learn more about Ahithophel. Verse 23, and the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. His counsel was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Remember that. So we know that Eliam and Uriah were warriors, and Ahithophel was David's right-hand man, counselor. So Bathsheba's father, Eliam, she's married to Uriah. And it said that Ahithophel's counsel was as though one went to an oracle of God, not that Ahithophel was an oracle of God. Very important detail there. So in chapter 11, it details <clears throat> how that before David could get Bathsheba to be his own, he had to dispose of her husband, his own mighty warrior, one of the 30. So David had him killed in the battle. And the Bible is very clear about the fact that God judged David for this sin. But it was also very clear that David dealt with this sin. He faced it, he owned up to it, he repented before God, and he asked for forgiveness, and God forgave him. But that wasn't enough for Ahithophel. Instead, 
He continued to carry this bitter gall against David deep in his heart, all the while serving in his court. Some writers say that Ahithophel served in David's court as his chief counselor for 50 years. Because now, by this time, he was a great-grandfather to Bathsheba and David's children. But we just read a big clue in the plot twist in chapter 16 when we read that Ahithophel also counseled for Absalom. Now, Absalom was not a good boy. He'd already caused his father great heartache. He'd murdered his brother Amnon because he had violated their sister, Tamar. And David had virtually covered up this family detail by keeping Tamar hidden away and keeping her as a widow living alone. So in retribution for Absalom murdering David's son Amnon, David shut Absalom out of the palace for a period of almost three full years and refused to see him face to face. So being shut out of the father's court burned a rage so deeply in Absalom's heart that he began to seek revenge. And Absalom planned his own father, the king's murder, so that he could take the throne away from David. And then together, combined with the great council of Ahithophel, Absalom spent the next four years laying the groundwork and preparing the people for this coup d'etat. Absalom knew how much David was loved by all the people. So he had to work really hard to sway them away from his father. He told the people that David was much too busy to hear their problems and to take their court up himself. So he said that by the name of the Lord, you should make me judge and jury over your matters. And the people fell for it. Even David's most trusted, loyal friends and servants, the leaders in all of his entourage, turned away from David and aligned their heart with Absalom. When David heard of the murderous plot, he and a small army of faithful warriors fled the palace on foot. He asked his army, knowing that they were going to go toe-to-toe with Absalom's army to spare his son and be gentle with Absalom when they caught him. But he knew he had to flee the palace in order to save his own life. And again, I'm leaving so many details out here. I hope you do read it and you'll understand all of the ins and outs of this complex web 2 Samuel 15, verse 30. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet, and he wept as he went up, and had his head covered, and he went barefoot. And all the people that were with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went. Verse 31, and one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David prayed 
and said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. So here he is on the top of this mountain, fleeing from his own son, and in his pain and anguish, David prayed yet again when he heard that another person was after him, trying to kill him. 2 Samuel 16, verse 11, describes how despondent David was. And he said to Abishai, the one that told him, yet someone else was trying to kill him, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do to me? Let him alone, let him curse me, for the Lord hath bidden it, or allowed it. And David prayed again, It may be that the Lord will look upon my affliction, and that the Lord will requite me this day for his cursing of this man. And God answered David's first prayer, that the counsel of Ahithophel would be turned into foolishness, for Absalom chose not to follow Ahithophel's great counsel on the battle. And as a result, David and his army escaped Absalom's army, the snare that they had set, and they were found to be ministered to by a couple who were loyal to David, and they gave them food and a place to rest and water and wine for strength for the battle. But when Ahithophel found out that Absalom had disregarded his counsel, Ahithophel left the, fo the forest, excuse me, my throat's dry, Ahithophel left the forest where the battle was fought and he returned to his hometown and there Ahithophel hung himself. So now we know that God delivered David from Ahithophel, his prayer. And now if you would turn to chapter 18, we're going to look at verse 8 and 9 and see how it ends up for Absalom. Verse 8 for the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the woods or the forest where the battle was set devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. God used the forest to win the battle for David over Absalom's fighting men. Verse 9. And Absalom met the servants of David. And Absalom was riding upon a mule under the thick boughs of a great oak tree. And his head caught hold of the oak. And he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. And the mule that was under him went away and left him hanging by his head in the oak tree. Then Joab said to the man who had told him of the king's request and reminded him, King David said, don't kill Absalom, be gentle with him. And Joab said, I'm not with you on this one. And he took three knives in his hand and he thrust them through the heart of Absalom while 
Absalom was yet alive hanging in the tree. And David's heart was so broken again, and he was in mourning yet for another son that he had lost. And he cried, O oh, my son Absalom, my dear, dear son, rather it would have been my death than yours. O oh, my son Absalom, my dear, dear son. So David collected himself. He greeted the people back in Jerusalem. And the Bible says he entreated God for the land. He went to prayer to God for the land. And if all this wasn't enough that David had experienced to, to this point, there were four more battles that David had to fight to free the land of giants. There were four Philistine giants left in the land. They were all the sons of one of the giant gods named Ratha. And one of those four was Goliath's brother. He was the one that was so big he had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. But by obeying God's order to wipe out these four giants, the Bible says that God eradicated from the land the race of ungodly giants through David. And how was your day? In chapter 23, David breaks out into song, and he's worshiping God. And he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, the God of my rock, and in him will I trust. He's my shield and my horn of salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior, and he saveth me from violence. I started out telling you how overwhelmed David was through all of these events. And like I said, there's a whole lot more that I didn't cover here. So do read it if you want a good action movie plot. Oh boy, this one's full of it. The second chapter of, uh, or the uh, second Samuel, definitely. But how this all started was this week, I had an overwhelming situation myself on my property. And I had a complete meltdown and a pity party. It's been a long time since I've felt that alone and that helpless and incapable of handling the situation. And it was urgent and dire. And I went to prayer and I said, Lord, you've walked with me every step these last three and a half years. But now this. And overwhelmed was the word that came to my heart. It's all I could see. It's all I could feel. And I saw no relief and no way out. And the Lord led me to Psalm 61. If you feel overwhelmed, I, I encourage you to turn to Psalm 61 because it's where David sums up the whole events of 2 Samuel. And he puts it into one little 
plea here to God. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter and a strong tower from the enemy, and I will abide in thy tabernacle forever, and I will trust in the covering of thy wings. I want you to know that God made a way through my situation. It's had a good resolution, and I might tell you about it a little later, but right now that's, that's enough to say And when I began reading this Psalm 61 and asking the Lord what it was that caused David's heart to be so overwhelmed and for his mind to be so depressed and he had nowhere else to turn, he turned to the rock. There's another scripture in Psalm 55 where David said, When I was overwhelmed, you, Lord, took my hand, and I began to read of all the turmoil that we just read about, a small part of it, all this turmoil stacked on stacks on stacks of turmoil in David's life. He had nowhere else to go. You remember the song way back, probably in the 60s, where when there's nowhere else to turn to, I go to the rock of my salvation. David had made some horrible mistakes. We all realize that we've all come short of knowing the glory of God for the mistakes that we've made. And we've caused ourselves some pain and suffering, no doubt. Yet at each step of the way, he saw the need to go to the rock and the Lord helped him. The Lord gave him the victory. Not only did God give him the victory personally in his personal life, but he slew the giants that were plaguing the Israelites, the Philistine giants, all four of them David conquered, and it ridded the land of the giants' race. I believe that God will do the same for you and for me. When we are overwhelmed and we have no place else to turn to, we know that we can go to the rock of our salvation. Amen? Will you stand with me this morning? David said, I cried from the ends of the earth, Lord, screaming, help me, help me. And God heard his plea and helped him. Has anybody else felt an overwhelming situation that you had no control over and it was like a wave that just came over you? It didn't move the rock. It didn't change where the rock was. The rock stood fast and we can go to him. Father, maybe there's one here today that feels so overwhelmed, Lord, like I felt earlier this week. David said, I can't even lead myself to the rock, Lord. You have to lead me. 
Oh, Lord, I pray today that you would grab the hand of that one and lead them to that rock of salvation. All that trauma didn't go away for David, but you made a way, just as you made a way for me this past week, Lord. And I'm so thankful that your mercies are great and they are new every morning for us. Father, I thank you that your arms are outstretched. Even when we do feel the overwhelming press of the waters closing in over us, Lord, your arms are outstretched and we can reach up and grab hold of that rock. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this. I praise your name, Lord, for the way that you turn things around, the way that you do lead us, O oh God, and help us to see the need in our own heart, Lord, to see the, the shortcomings and the, the lack of dedication and the lack of whatever it was that may have led us to this place. Oh, Holy Spirit, your precious searchlight, Lord, helps us to see and understand clearly. Father, I pray that the covering of your wings would be upon us this week. Lord Jesus, that our hands stay steadfastly held in yours. Oh, upon that rock we stand when you lift us up out of the waves crashing over us, Lord, and our feet are planted upon that rock of salvation. Oh, how we thank you, Father. How we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we just love you today. And we thank you for being with us. Go with us from now this week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now don't forget to read 2 Samuel.